everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. So this week's episode is a little bit different. I know usually my guests are either South Asian or they're dating someone South Asian and they're kind of in this world of brown folk. Um, But my friend Ian is on this week and he's Filipino American and his girlfriend is Canadian. And I thought they had a really interesting story because they met virtually on Twitch during the pandemic and they live in two different countries. And so I know so many people navigate long distance relationships, but I really wanted to get his perspective on being in that situation, meeting someone virtually at a time where you couldn't travel to see them. So not only are you long distance, you don't know when you're going to be able to meet this person or spend time with them because of all the rules and regulations that were going on at that time. And um, I'm sure his story will still resonate with so many of you who may be in that situation where you are in an interracial relationship, but you're also in an international relationship and maybe how the pandemic impacted you, but also how you come to terms with trusting that person, how you get to know them, how you determine like how to spend time with someone who you actively have to make plans to see. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It was a really good conversation and Ian is a friend, so it was really nice having him on as well. Let's get to it. Alrighty, everybody. We are here with Ian. Hi, Ian. Welcome to the show. Hi, Disha. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. You excited to be here? Oh, of course. I, th- I think <laughs> you might be like one of the very few male guests in general that I've had, as well as like not South Asian. So this should be interesting. Ooh, I get to be a maverick. I'm excited <laughs> for that. Plot twist, everybody. Not all my <laughs> guests are brown. Actually, I've, I've been pretty good. At I'm that. kind of brown. You I'm pretty. I'm pretty tan. Yeah, we're like the same color, technically speaking, but in terms yeah. of South Asianness. Yeah, I'm. The, I'm more of the Southeast Asianness, <laughs> if anything. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Who was it? I think it was Ali Ali Wong, the comedian, where she was like, "There's jungle Asian, there's South <laughs> Asian, and then there's like the other category, like the preppy tech Asians." Yeah, that's how she grouped Asia. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely am a hybrid of the the jungle Asian and the uh, preppy tech Asian as part of my uh, my upbringing and my uh, my career. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to talk about your dating life. Yes. In an interracial relationship, um, you've also done some long distance um, mm-hmm. and maybe dated some people that were quite a bit older or younger than you. Uh, yep, a little bit younger than me. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. What should we know about your dating life? Sure. Um, Well, right now I am uh, dating a wonderful young woman. Uh, Her name is Sarah. And she is from Canada, West Coast. So I live on the East Coast in Massachusetts. She's all the way out in British Columbia. So that. We calculated it. It's exactly 2,569 miles between us. Uh, and, you know, it crosses three different time zones. I am Filipino American. Um, 
she is Caucasian. Her maternal side is from the Netherlands. And uh, I also am eight years uh, her senior as well. So she's still like figuring out her 20s and uh, getting through her professional life. And I've kind of gone through a lot of those growing pains already. Um, And it's definitely been a big learning process for the both of us, uh, especially with how our relationship started and how we kind of connected and met. Um, Because I definitely think it's not a common way for folks. It's definitely happened before. I've talked to plenty of folks uh, about it. So we met actually through Twitch. So I am a Twitch streamer. Uh, and she also started streaming on Twitch. Uh, and from there, it just kind of progressed to us uh, maybe messaging each other every other day, just checking in, seeing how we're doing, sending funny memes, not us really thinking anything about it, just, you know, friends, like acquaintances at first. Um, and I think that's how a lot of uh, relationships start off as. And I had never done anything like this before. I had never done any, like, virtual date all my dates had been on or in real per in life in real per uh, sorry in real life in person you know you go to a coffee shop you go to a bar restaurant maybe do an activity like mini golf go-karting things like that but for me this was absolutely new territory i could tell for her it was also new territory because she had never done like a discord date what what are we supposed to do and i told her like well we'll try it out maybe we just act as if it was a normal day. You know, we both dressed up uh, for the call and, you know, being in this whole pandemic zoom era of uh, people working at home, just being in sweats while on the video call, actually dressing up for something made it feel a little bit elevated. It, it, there was more weight to the call and, and just us hanging out. It was actually feeling like we were going out and doing something. We had Indian food. We watched Cruella on Disney Plus. I shared my screen so that she could watch it along with me. Uh, and we just talked and we really enjoyed each other's company. Um, so we had a few more virtual dates after that. And we had we had some rough discussions because she she was hesitant to really be in I think like a very committed relationship with me, especially one that is long distance. I'm eight years older than her. Uh, you know, someone that isn't Caucasian, you know, most of the guys that she's been with or dated have been Caucasian. And um, I think, you know, for, I think for both of us, that was a pretty big deal uh, because you know, even if, though we're in 2021, there's still folks out there that might judge about it. I mean, you probably know more about this than I do being in a uh, biracial marriage, right, Disha? Yeah. Yeah. It's always a discussion. It, and it's discussions it, like most typical couples don't usually have to have. So it's definitely mm-hmm. different territory. Yeah. And this is something I've had to deal with all my life, too. So I've never 
dated someone else that is Filipino. They've always been Caucasian women just because of where I grew up. And, you know, those were the types of women and girls that were around me. I didn't really have a lot of other people that looked like me or had the same background as me. Yeah, pretty much. I think part of it is a lot of us are just like a product of our environments where yeah, like, if you move to America, like there's lots of different people and depending on where you grew up, there's more of one type than another. And it's just, excuse me, you just meet all kinds of people from all kinds of places and you like who you like and you don't like who you don't like. Um, Another thing that you guys also sort of had to address was that you had not met in real life because like she lives in Canada, which is another country technically, even though Mm -hmm. I feel like most Americans see Canada as like an extension of just like (laughs) a giant mass of North America. Don't tell that to the Canadians. I know. Like they're like, (laughs) we are not American. It's okay, guys. It's not that bad. But (laughs) um, how did you guys address that? Yeah. So um, early on in our relationship, um, you know, before we officially decided to commit to each other um, in August, uh, we would just think of things that we would want to do together in Canada, in the U.S., um, and we would list them down. Like, we would send each other so much different travel, a piece of travel content, like, every single day. Like, oh, this would be so cool. This would be so nice to do with you and all that. Like, it would be, like hang gliding off off a hill in British Columbia or going to Yellowstone National Park or, uh, you know, surfing in the Pacific off of the coast of California. Um, And we told ourselves, you know, we just have to be patient if we really want to meet each other. Because at the time, the borders were closed. You couldn't drive across. Uh, You could fly uh, from Canada into the U.S., but... Uh, going from the U.S. into Canada, that was uh, near impossible unless you had like a very specific reason, like you were an essential healthcare worker. Um, so it was really tough for us because we we didn't have a set date that we would actually meet. Um, we did look up some loopholes. So there is a park that exists on the border between British Columbia and Washington. It's the uh, Peace Arch Park. Um, the British, it, it straddles both Canada and the U S on the right on the border. Um, the Washington side of the park is open, but the British Columbia side, the Canadian part is closed. Uh, but there is a loophole that exists that allows Canadians to hop over a ditch into the park, into the U S and then they just have to show their passport to the border patrol uh, from like the Canadian side to get back into their own country. Um, So we thought about like, Hey, maybe I fly out to Seattle, rent a car, drive up to the park. We meet at the park and then you uh, meet me there and you just hop the ditch. And we spent like eight hours at a time. (laughs) (laughs) So at what point, cause I, I hear this and maybe I'm just a shitty person, but I was mm-hmm. so lazy when it came to dating. Like, my Tinder radius was, like, 20 miles. I was yeah. like, this is good. Like, that's it. I'm not going above and beyond for any motherfucker to go on some date. I was like, mm, I don't care how much I like you. <laughs> Whereas I commend people who 
one, you agreed to date somebody who you had never met, which I think nowadays is a little less strange only because I feel like because of the internet, we've all connected with so many people oh, that yeah. have turned into such good friends, especially like someone like me. I know so many people solely through Instagram. Like we like now separate real life friends with like Insta friends and I would love to meet them one day. So it's a little less strange on that front, but to kind of jump into like this committed relationship and I kind of hear it. It's almost sounds like the pods from love is blind. Like we just talk <laughs> forever. Yeah. Until, like we really like this person. Did you at any point think like, I don't know if I want to deal with this. Oh, of course. Yeah. I was scared shitless thinking about like, is she really worth it? Um, do I really want to, you know, travel cross country to meet this person? What if you got um, catfished? Right? That. What if I got catfished? What if I got catfished? But no, we, we would have video calls and stuff. And like, we, we knew that we were actual people for the most part. Um, but it was, yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. And that's something that we both had to grapple with. Um, especially when we decided to meet in real life. The weekend that Trudeau announced that he would open up the borders, uh, Sarah and I were actually in a little bit of a tiff. We were in a, at an impasse in our relationship. And up until that point, she was very much, oh, I don't, I don't want to be in a committed relationship with you. I'm, I'm afraid of hurting you. I'm afraid of losing you. But we knew, both of us knew that we really cared for each other. Like we truly deeply wanted each other. You know, it's either you want this or you don't want this. I'm not here to play games. You know, I, and I despise the term nice guy as well, because I feel like people in that nice guy category would just, uh, take it and be like yeah. oh maybe maybe she'll come around maybe like she'll be uh she'll find a way maybe she'll realize something and i i'm not a nice guy people think i'm a nice guy no i'm not a nice guy i'm a well, decent like, man right that's that's person, the difference but you know what you want to oh exactly be taken for a ride um but i think what, something that kind of stands out about what you're saying is almost that even though it's only an eight-year age gap, which mm -hmm. to some people might seem like a lot, at our age, that eight years is the difference between being a millennial and being a Gen Z. Oh, yeah. And because that's kind of the group she falls into, I have all my cousins are Gen Z. I'm like the grandma of the group. And they literally communicate through TikTok because they grew up in a world where they've almost not had to interact with each other in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't know how to make words. And so like, like you, like they send each other TikToks all day. And I'm like, maybe that's her way of telling you how she feels because she like just doesn't know how. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, she's discussed with me too. Like, she's not the best with words. And she is astounded by, you know, I send her letters and postcards from all these different places and all these uh, uh, different things that I do. And every time she reads them, she's like, wow, it's really like poetry. And I'm thinking to wow, myself, like this is just like normal stuff that I could this write. A, this is a sentence. Yes. <laughs> yes, honey. This is a sentence. This is how paragraphs work. <laughs> right. um, this is called an indent. Yeah. But 
it for her that was a very like having a postcard right having something physical in her hand that really conveyed how i felt about her and how she feels about me that was that was almost a completely new experience for her so yeah i i definitely i definitely understand that like a lot of people in her generation they send memes they send tiktoks so how do you guys navigate that because i think i would have almost an impossible time Mm -hmm. dating some and like maybe part of it is like being a woman like emotional maturity is really important and so if i were to date someone younger who is gen z like i don't know if i could deal with it right right for me it's taught me a lot about myself um but taking a little bit of a turn here have you had to explain to i guess your friends or family that you're dating someone you've never met that lives Mm -hmm. in another country and that is quite a bit younger than you how has that been that has been a whole roller coaster of um, not emotions, but reactions to it. Because how people reacted. I'll start with my parents. I didn't tell my parents that I uh, was dating her until maybe two, three weeks ago when I came back from Canada. Like they knew that I was just like gonna go on a trip to Canada for 10 days. Um, and they're like, okay, have fun, be safe. You know, uh, they thought I was just going to meet a friend, which, you know, technically, technically. yes, <laughs> technically, yes. Um, but their reaction was like, oh my gosh, that's, we're so happy for you, you know? Um, and I think it, that, that reaction would be a lot different if, uh, if I was a daughter instead of a son, for sure. I think. Because the way that her parents reacted and her family reacted was completely different. Like, oh, why does he have to be from the East Coast? Why does he have to be from America? And, like, he's, like, eight years older. Like, what's up with that? Why can't he find anybody, like, that's out there in Boston and Massachusetts and all that? Um, And with some, some of my other friends had that same reaction, too. They're like, oh, man, she's a bit young, don't you think? Like... Oh, she's in Canada. Like, what? Like, that's so strange. And, um, you know, we don't want to see you get hurt at all. And you have to be like really understanding of things like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. I, I'm gonna be a more patient person with this relationship, and it's gonna help me be a stronger person and a better partner for her. Um, because I want to make this work, and she wants to make this work too. Like we both put in the effort for it, um, but yeah, the the reaction's been mixed. And I, I, some of the stuff that my friends have said, I wasn't expecting, but they've come around to be a bit more supportive. But once people see how happy we are together and how we interact with each other, they're like, oh, okay, no, they're really, they're really meant for each other. They're really, and they're really happy for us. Yeah, I think non traditional relationships in general. People are always hesitant because mm-hmm. dating is already hard. Relationships are already hard. And to, you know, make it harder, it always seems counterintuitive, right? To like add the long distance factor and add the borders in which during a pandemic are mm-hmm. very complicated. Um, and so for a lot of people, and I will admit to myself, like I didn't want to do anything too complicated here. It was hard enough knowing that like, I probably wasn't going to date 
a South Asian man. I wasn't against it, but I just like it usually didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing that, I was like, we don't need to add an added layer here. I was also very focused on myself and not willing to dedicate so much time, quite frankly, to a relationship that would be difficult. Because for me, I I know like people say like marriage is hard, relationships are hard. And I just said it two seconds ago, but I always very firmly believed that when you were dating someone, really it should be easy. Yeah. Not in a logistical sense, but just like dating that person should be easy. Yes, you have hard times and like things get complicated and whatever. Right. But like generally it shouldn't be something that you're constantly stressed out about. If anything, it should be the opposite. It should be like that sense of like, oh, okay. Yeah, good. that sense of relief that the other person that you're with really feels like you, they have your back. That they're almost like home, right? Yeah. And that's something that we've expressed to each other. Like, I feel like home to her. She feels like home to me. And that's how it should be at the end. Do you have any tips or anything for communication? Because mm-hmm. I feel like with the added long distance layer the communication does become a huge component because you're not just going to like make plans to see this person like, Oh, we'll catch up on our date later this week. It's like, no, like this is just how it is. Like during the day I do my thing. And then where do we connect in the middle? Like, it's not like we're going to bump into each other. Oh yeah. So the fact that, you know, it is long distance across time zones makes it a little bit more difficult. Right. Um, Luckily for us, you know, our schedules sort of mesh um, for work, but we do set aside time at the end of our our days to reconnect um, and ask each other, you know, how our days have been um, and talk about, you know, anything that we've been feeling, anything that we've been discussing. Um, I've kind of been sprinkling in like these bi-weekly check-ins to see like how like what's something that we both felt like the other person did great at this week or what they what did they really appreciate what's something that they didn't appreciate or felt like the, the other person could have worked on uh as well and i think that's that's something that i don't think a lot of couples and people in the, that are in relationships do is they do those regular check-ins to see the status and the health of the relationship and yes it might seem like uh a one-on-one that you do at work with your manager or your um your reports but i know if, if it works in the working world it's gonna work in the relationship and romance world because it's just another dialogue it's just that communication but we set that time up for each other and we let each other know about the bound- boundaries that we have like for example there I've been times where I told her like, look, I need some space to work on this project that I've really been on. And I've realized that I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, talking to you. Um, and she said the same thing to me. Uh, so we give each, we make sure we give each other that space um, when we do, but then we set that time later on either in the day or maybe the next day to really talk about what we want to be talking about. Um, yeah. Just as long as like we're specific about when we set those times and dates and um, how we discuss, we, we how we talk with each other. Um, and we also try to keep in mind that, you know, we're not there. We're not here to attack each other. We're not here 
to bring down the other person. And all our comments and all our concerns are coming from a place of respect and love and care. Yeah. And it seems like you're both fairly invested. But one thing you brought up is like creating those boundaries of like right now is not a good time to talk or like this today Mm -hmm. is just going to be really busy. Um, I always because sometimes people I think just as as women do, we look at texts or conversations and we overthink and then we tell our friends and read overly into it. And do you think he likes me? Like, what do you think? Like, do you think I'm being needy? And the needy question comes up a lot. It's like, Mm. do you get upset if Michael doesn't do this? Like, you know, Michael doesn't like my Instagram posts and Michael doesn't open. I'm like, Michael doesn't have an Instagram that he doesn't even have the app on his phone. So, you know, I always say you have to find the person that is equally as needy as you are. There is no such thing as too needy if you're with the right person. Right. Maybe you are someone who likes having space. And I will say that for myself, that it's true. Mike and I both need our time alone and need our own space to do the things we do without the other person. And that's okay. But some people prefer being a little more attached at the hip. And that's okay. I mean, some people would say Mike and I are attached at the hip. I'm like... For me, it's like, yeah, we can be attached at the hip when we're together or like we're doing this thing together, but he's more than happy to give me my space. But it's whatever you're comfortable with and finding the person who has that same kind of need or love mm-hmm. language, I guess you would call it. Um, and like being okay with that too. Like you said, like bringing up the conversation of like right now is not a good time or like today is just going to be whatever. And just, like, accepting that. And if you're not okay with it, like, accepting that in yourself and being like, maybe this isn't the right right person. Like, I need more attention to feel comfortable in a relationship. Right. And I'm not getting that here. Yeah. I think think we both do a good job of respecting each other's space. Because I remember when I was – when we started in that like talking phase and that uh, early, our early dating phase that I didn't want to be seen as somebody that holds her back from doing anything. Right. Because she's, she's still in her early twenties and you know, that's a crucial time I think in a young woman's life uh, for really finding out who you are, what you really like, what you really want to pursue. Um, and I didn't want to be seen as that person that uh, stopped her from doing anything stuff so when she tells me look oh i'm i'm gonna go out and uh hang out with my friends or gonna go um try out this new lifting program or this new activity with some of these other folks i'm like great do it i want you to have that time for yourself i want you to tell me when you need that time to do these things that you want to do or just like catching up on regular tasks at home and i'll give you that space i'll respect it i just expect that at some point we do have that reconnect and, you know, we do make that time for us to talk and just see how uh, we are um, together. One of the things that does come up with long distance relationships is the idea of trust. How do you mm-hmm. establish it and, you know, just to an extent blindly trust that person, especially if you're in a committed relationship? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And for someone like myself that has been in past relationships where there has been infidelity and I have, you know, experienced that, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but you have 
you really have to like work on yourself, I think, to be able to trust that person to not hurt you. And especially if you're putting yourself in that vulnerable position. Um, and she, you know, I, I feel like with her, she has to trust me a lot. She has, she really has to believe and uh, that, you know, I won't go out and do anything that would jeopardize our relationship status either. Um, and that comes with time and work. You know, we, it, we didn't start off this relationship with just this lust. Um, her mom actually put it best. Um, cause she messaged me on, uh, on Facebook and she told us that she's so happy that our relationship was built on trust, not lust. Um, and that trust comes over time through our discussions, through learning about each other and not just having like this carnal visceral attraction to us on a physical level. No, there's like an actual, an emotional part there too. Um, and part of that is, you know, telling the other person, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with this person. Um, that is, uh, maybe of the opposite gender and uh, they're single, but I'm going there and hanging out with them on a platonic way. And we, we just trust each other with that. Cause we know we, we just have to trust. There's no other option because once you have that distrust, the paranoia sets in. It's like, Oh, are they really there with that person? What are they doing? Um, and I think, one of the things that we we do is like we i don't think we do it intentionally but when we're with other people when we're hanging out with other people um we just like we'll send snapchats to each other like of what we're doing and like what and who we're hanging out with um so i think in a way for at least myself maybe for her too those other folks that uh we're friends with feel less of as a threat um to the relationship um but yeah, it takes time. It's it's not easy. It's not easy. But you know, I think we've gotten to a point where um, we really are committed to each other. And we, if if one of us were to break that trust, uh, there would be a serious discussion about that. Um, and she's told me before, like, yeah, I've I've had trust issues in the past, and you know, I've been hurt in the past, and I don't want that to happen here either. And I'm like, you know what? I've been through the same thing and I don't want that to happen here either. Yeah. So it seems like you guys have a pretty solid line of communication on all of those things. Mm -hmm. Being someone who is Filipino, have your, has your family ever sort of expressed any preferences in terms of who you date? Like, would they prefer you be with someone from the same background as you or religion, etc. Because I know for South Asians, and one of the reasons this podcast exists is because there is such an issue when mm -hmm. we step outside of what is traditionally expected of us. No, I haven't had that experience. And I don't know if that is the same experience that other Filipino people have had. Although I do know that, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of Filipino men date non-Filipino women, to be honest. It's usually the other way around. But I haven't felt any of that pressure from my family or uh, my parents. I will say 
that I have felt pressure from my extended family as to, oh, why doesn't Ian have a girlfriend? Why isn't he dating anybody? Why doesn't he have kids? Because, you know, uh, for them living in the Philippines, they had marriages, relationships, kids at a young age, like 18, 19, early 20s. And they look at me and it's like, what's he, what's wrong with him? What's he doing? And I'm looking at myself. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm working on myself. I'm getting my shit together. All right. So don't come at me saying like, oh, why, why are you still single? Why don't you have kids? Why haven't you given your parents grandkids and all that? And like, don't talk to me about that when we're still like sending like funds over to you and we're doing remittances. All right. I've got my shit together. I've got my college degree. I've got a great career. I've got streaming on tap. I've been working on my physical fitness. Like life is great. (laughs) <laughs> like don't so yeah don't come at me with like oh you should be you should be in that relationship like no it, it will happen if it's gonna happen like i'm not i'm i'm here to work on myself first um, it's always so interesting because like your extended family has expressed it is a cultural expectation that yeah you know you get married you pop out a bunch of babies you've got your parents have grandkids now and then we get a response like you just gave where it's like, I'm working on myself. And they're literally looking at you like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're working on yourself? And I feel like that's just like a very, maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a, a West versus East thing. Um, because, you know, I grew up, I feel like in a much different environment than a lot of my extended family did. But yeah, you know, sometimes people just like to work on themselves and they just, they they really appreciate and have that self-love. Part of it is probably a generational thing. I think mm-hmm. one thing I read a while ago was about how the divorce rate of millennials is lower than of our, the generation before. Because I think before the stat was like 50% of marriages yeah. ended in divorce. And, you know, they're talking about like, well, why, why do you think this is? And one of the biggest thing is that we... One, we wait, right? We're, girls aren't getting married, like you said, when they're 18, 19, 20, because yeah. that's what's expected of them. So, like, imagine me or you at 18 years old being married. We were like fetuses. I don't even oh, know who God. that person was. Me married at 18, I couldn't even, like, properly do my taxes at 18. I still can't do my taxes <laughs> as an But at least I know how to find an accountant. Yeah. Um, But, you know, part of it is that, right? We wait and we're more committed and invested in relationships when we're in them. We're in them for longer before we decide to settle down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's just so many factors. And obviously all the research isn't done yet. It's not like millennials are all like, excuse me, have been married for all that long that they can say this is going to last forever. But it seems like from the trends people are seeing, we are staying together longer because we're more willing to wait to find that correct or perfect match or better fit, whatever you want to call yeah. it. But my last I, question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> my last question that I always ask everybody is if you could leave everyone here with a piece of advice or something you'd like to say to them, what would it be? If you want to do something, and if you really want something, put in the work for it, and it will happen. That's how I felt about this relationship. 
Um, because, you know, I, I put in the work, she puts in the work, and we make it happen. Even through our age gap, even through the distance, even through, you know, our cultural differences, um, we both have that shared desire goal to be with each other and in this relationship. Beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for being a guest. If people wanted to find you on social media or online, where can they find you? Sure. So I'm at Eons of Ian on uh, most major platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch as well. Awesome sauce. And all of that will be linked down below. Thanks so much for coming on. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, Disha Mazeppa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazeppa. Music for the show was created by Crexwell. Crexwell.